right. Bear down, Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. And who? Bears fans, what can we say? Two straight games. The Chicago Bears have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. That is exactly what happened here. There is just no excuse for what has transpired here with the Bears these last few games. And this is kind of what happens at the end of a regime and a, a poor when a poor choice is made to extend that regime. And, and, and this is what I mean. And first, before I get to that, Patrick Maher from, from VEASAN, gambling expert, huge sports fan, Detroit Lions fan. He's been on a lot right before in this Thanksgiving week because the Bears keep playing the Lions. Old buddy of mine, he is going to be stopping by here in just about 10 minutes. So we'll get to the conversation with Patrick here shortly. But what I mean about the bottom of this falling out is traditionally when uh, when a regime is on the fence and the organization decides to bring them back, it almost always falls apart. And it's because they've been clinging to, you know, a, a beefed up roster based on, you know, moving money around and pushing money into the future, which is exactly what the Chicago Bears have done. And it's not tenable for long term. And the Bears these last few years just keep trying to pump things to try and win as many games as possible. So you're seeing now that that, that bubble is starting to burst injuries, etc. not enough depth to, to, to fill in for those injuries, and everything is falling apart for the Bears organization. And right now, besides some of the issues with coaching, right now the number one problem the Bears are having right now is depth. They just don't have the guys behind the guys to step up. You know, that saying in the NFL, next man up, they don't have it right now, and they've got guys filling in and guys starting that have no business being in the positions they are being in. And, and speaking specifically about this Baltimore game, it's inexcusable to let Hunley go down the field and win in that fashion. And what did he do to do so? He picked on the what I think, and I brought this up on Twitter because I don't want to make just bold statements without really thinking it through. Because you can sit there and say, this guy's the best at this and this guy's the worst at this and not really look at the big picture. I wanted to look at the big picture. Is Kendall Vildor the worst starting cornerback in the NFL? I think he is at this point. Now, I'm not saying he's the worst cornerback in the NFL. I'm not saying there aren't guys that don't play that are sitting there as the 52nd guy on a roster that if you put them out there, they'd be getting torched just as bad as Kendall Vildor. But Kendall Vildor is not capable to play outside corner at the NFL level, at least at this point. And I don't blame Kendall Vildor. I blame the Chicago Bears organization for this. I blame Ryan Pace. I blame Matt Nagy. And then I guess to an extent, I blame Sean Desai. Not that Sean Desai is sitting there making personnel decisions, but Sean Desai needed to step up for his unit in August and say, I cannot have Kendall Vildor starting outside. It's not tenable. It's not going to work. He didn't do that. He did not advocate for his unit. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and Sean Desai made a decision that they were going to have Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor on the outside, and Kendall Vildor cannot play. I know some Bears fans were hopeful in, in July and August that he was going to step up and be this diamond in the rough. He had a couple moments early on where you're like, maybe he's okay, but he's not. He's getting picked on regularly now, and his passer rating against... I'm not sure where it is exactly at this point, but going into that Ravens game, it was over 150. 158.3 is perfect. Quarterbacks are nearly perfect attacking Kendall Vildor. It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment that that's happening. And that is not Kendall Vildor's fault. He was put in a position to fail by this organization because he was asked to do something. It's like Matt Nagy asking Cairo Santos to hit a 65-yard field goal. Cairo Santos physically could not hit that field goal. He did not have the length strength to do it. It's like sitting down and putting, you know, 300 pounds on a bench press and putting me on it and saying, bench press this five times. And I say, I can't do that at this point. I'm 43 years old. I'm out of shape. I'm not playing football anymore. That's not happening. And someone says, too bad, do it. It can't physically happen. I don't 
physically have the ability to do that. Cairo Santos did not physically have the ability to make a 65-yard field goal to make a 65-yard field goal in Pittsburgh. Kendall Vildor does not physically have the ability to play outside corner at the NFL level in year two as a fifth-round pick. It is impossible. And now, anyone who looked at Kendall Vildor when they drafted him said, this guy has a chance to be a nickel corner in this league. And now, they are shattering his confidence. You saw him at the end of that game with his face buried in his hands. They're shattering his confidence so much playing out there and just throwing him to the wolves that if they ever decide to bump him inside, I don't know if he's going to have the right mentality to succeed. They may have broken Kendall Vildor because they've used him so poorly. So he's been put in a position to, to, to fail. The, the Bears organization overall here is going in the, in the wrong direction. Now, if you're a Matt Nagy hater, and most of you are, the wrong direction isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's sealing his fate. Now you're hearing rumors that Ryan Pace is trying to distance himself from Matt Nagy at, at Hallis Hall. Shocker there, it's becoming every man for himself when you're sitting there seeing exactly what's going on. But the Bears, it's inexcusable that they couldn't win any of these games. And I understand Khalil Mack's out, and I'm gonna get to that in a second because a lot of you Khalil Mack haters, I, I looking at you sideways, but I know Khalil Mack's been hurt. I know Akeem Hicks has been hurt. I know Allen Robinson's been hurt. I understand all these injuries that they have had, but you still, cannot lose to a undrafted quarterback, backup quarterback at home. You can't. It is unacceptable. You cannot blow a game like they did against Pittsburgh. You cannot be that embarrassing and inept in the second half against San Francisco. Period. End of story. And that's where you see that it's unraveling. The Bears should have made the decision to move on after, in January, they should have made the decision to make change because what George McCaskey asked was not a reasonable situation. You cannot say solve the quarterback situation, which I understand they went for Russell Wilson. I understand they picked around Derek Carr. I understand the Bears looked for a veteran quarterback that they could potentially trade for. But most likely when you say fix the quarterback situation, they're going to have to fix it in the draft. So when George McCaskey says, all right, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, you want your extensions, fix the quarterback situation and make the playoffs, those two don't vibe. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. What he's done now is they've gotten Justin Fields and now they're messing up Justin Fields' rookie contract, which is the most valuable thing in the NFL. If you have a legit NFL QB on a rookie contract before you have to pay him $40 million a year. And now the Bears have punted so much money into next year that they're wasting one of Justin Fields' years. They cannot fix their salary cap situation until 2023. So if George McCaskey was sold on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, the extensions needed to come last year, go solve the quarterback situation, build the roster properly around the quarterback, and we'll see where we are in a couple of years, but he gave them an ultimatum that doesn't work. So now he's punting so much money in the next season to try and make this season work that whether it's Ryan Pace or another GM next year, now they're gonna come in next year with no first round pick. And I'm not complaining about that because I still am a believer in Justin Fields, but they have no first round pick. They have a bad salary cap space. They have a lot of old players. They have a few pieces to build on, but not a ton. And the cupboard is bare because they don't have a lot of rookies coming up that are second, third round picks over the last couple of years because Ryan Pace has traded up so much. So there's a bad situation brewing here and they can fix it, but it's going to take a couple of years and they have to commit to it. And they should have been committing to that this season. But George McCaskey didn't do that. He had an opportunity to do it and he blew it. So whether it was bring in two new guys or give these guys extensions, now, I understand Bears fans don't like Matt Nagy. They're glad they didn't get an extension. But everything George McCaskey did in January was wrong. And now we are seeing as the bottom is falling out of this thing and Khalil Mack's out for the year and Akeem Hicks is barely on the field and Eddie Jackson hasn't been on the field in a few weeks and Justin Fields now has bruised ribs and potentially other things going on there. The whole thing is falling apart. They don't have enough depth at these positions. And it's because of trading up and not having enough draft picks, punting money into the future and signing a bunch of, you know, uh, veterans to try and piece together a winning season. And not, not only have they messed up this season because they're going to end up 5 and 12 or 6 and 11 and miss the playoffs, but they've messed up next season as well. 
They could have been in a situation to have not have messed up this season, but to have put themselves in a position to start succeeding potentially as early as next year. And now as a Bears fan, you're already looking at 2023 because they cannot fix this roster next year. It doesn't matter if they bring in a new head coach and a new GM and a new whatever. They can't fix the roster. They don't have enough draft picks. They don't have enough salary cap space. And don't listen to the people who said, oh, they got 75 million in cap space. They have a bunch of dead money. They still have to make a bunch of more dead money. And then when you sign guys like Roquan Smith to contract extensions, which they need to do, that's gonna eat up a lot of money. You're gonna bring back James Daniels. He's gonna go from making a couple million a year to eight, nine, 10 million a year. Or if you're not bringing back James Daniels, then you have to replace him. Like they don't have a ton of money you know, they have to bring back some of these guys. They don't have a ton of money once they do that. You know, can they make a few moves? I'm sure they can make a few moves, but they have so much dead cap space. They're going to be pushing 40 million in dead cap. And there is never a team in NFL history, never one, a team that has been over 40 million in dead cap and still made the playoffs because you don't have enough money. You've punted too much into the future. And that's where the Bears are dangerously close to doing now, last thing I want to talk about before we uh, get to Patrick Maher, our guest this week, is Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack, I am shocked at the slander. And maybe the slander is a small vocal minority. I'm just going off of, I sent out a tweet about Khalil Mack and how much the Bears were going to miss him. And the amount of slander about how this, con how this trade was a failed trade for the Bears and all this, I am shocked at Bears fans and how much vitriol these Bears fans have for Khalil Mack. Are you kidding me? Do you watch football games? And I'm just going to sound obnoxious. Do you understand what you're watching? If a Bears fan says Khalil Mack's a bust because he hasn't been getting 16 sacks a year, just, just do not talk to them. There's so much more that Khalil Mack does beyond getting sacks. And I understand that he's paid to get sacks. I'm not saying that he has gotten enough sacks, but you need to look at the big picture of what Khalil Mack's doing. You need to look at the fact that he's being tackled. You need to look at the fact that he's getting triple teamed regularly and that it's supposed to be opening up the opportunity for other guys along that defensive front to make plays. You need to look at the fact that Khalil Mack is excellent at setting the edge on the run and really containing plays in the run on his side of the football field that is never talked about. He is only talked about as a pass rusher. He is not talked about how valuable he is in, in the run game. And, and Sean Desai, the reason this pass rush has been so good for a lot of chunks of this season is how he was utilizing Khalil Mack and moving him around and, and stunting him and, and throwing offenses off balance because they weren't accustomed to that. Khalil Mack is so important to this defense and has done so many good things for this defense that I will sit there and say, and you usually can't say this about any position other than quarterback for the most part. If Khalil Mack had been healthy these last few games, you would be looking at a, the Bears would not have a three and seven record. They would not. I guarantee you they win that Pittsburgh game. And I think there's a good chance they win that Baltimore game. And I understand they were still able to get after Huntley without Mack, but the fact that they were able to do that without Mack Huntley would have been a disaster with Mac back there. He would have been running for his life all the time. So the fact that Mac missed that game, potentially they could have lost that game. And when Mac got banged up against San Francisco and Eddie Jackson, when that, when that happened, the, the amount that defense just collapsed because if they're not getting steady pressure, you can't protect guys like Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley. Those guys need protection. They need a pass rush before quarterbacks can exploit those matchups. And without Khalil Mack, they are not going to get as much of a pass rush. And it is a problem. And look, not you know, Travis Gibson is pretty good. I'm not saying he, he's, he's a bad replacement. He's actually one of the few guys where you sit there and go, that's a pretty solid backup to have at the edge position. He's pretty good. He's made, made some strides this year for sure. You never can replace a guy like Khalil Mack. But the fact that they have so much less depth at other positions that they don't have guys stepping up is, is a problem as well. So... The fact that Bears fans are sitting there saying, oh, they lost the trade, it wasn't worth it, all, all this stuff. Here, here's what I will say. When you look at this trade, you look at the big picture now. It's Brian Edwards and Josh Jacobs for Khalil Mack and Jalen Johnson. And the reason I say that, and I explain this on Twitter, Jalen Johnson, because the Bears had that additional second round pick from the Mack trade, the Jalen Johnson pick was made possible. The Bears were going after Cole Komet. That was their number one priority in the second round. 
So they took Cole Komet with the Raiders pick. It was the first pick that they had. Had they not had Cole Komet, I think had they not had the Raiders pick, they still would have gone after Cole Komet. They would have used that pick to get Cole Komet, whether he was going to slide to them or whether they were going to have to trade up to get him. Cole Komet was the target for the Chicago Bears, being that they had two second round picks opened the door for them to draft Jalen Johnson. So they got Jalen Johnson and Khalil Mack for Josh Jacobs and Brian Edwards. That is a landslide steal. And for the Bears fans to sit there and say, well, they shouldn't have given up those draft picks because they didn't win without Khalil Mack. They made a bold move and they went 12 and four because of that bold move. And it was the inept organization that failed around Khalil Mack after that. So don't sit there and say, well, they should have had those other first round picks. They could have had this guy or that guy or this guy or that guy. They also could have picked bad players with those picks as well and not had anyone. So the fact of the matter is this Khalil Mack trade reinvigorated an organization. It led to that 12 and four season and has done wonders for this Chicago Bears franchise. The fact that they want to say, well, you haven't won a Super Bowl, so he wasn't worth it. Like, does that mean the Dolphins should have dumped Dan Marino? Should the Lions have traded Barry Sanders? You know, has, has Tony Gonzalez not worth it to be on a roster because he didn't win a Super Bowl? There's so much more that goes into it than to say, oh, he didn't win a Super Bowl with the Bears, so he wasn't worth the trade. That That's a stupid take, in, in, in my opinion. So the fact that so many Bears fans were going after the Khalil Mack trade to me this earlier last week, that shocked me. Shocked me. Shame on you, Bears fans. That's, that is a bad, bad take to be against the Khalil Mack move. I, I just... I cannot endorse that idea at all. One other note, guys, before we get to Patrick Maher, Thanksgiving week, short week, but we are not going short on our podcast this week. Make sure you check out everything on the Windy City Gridiron channel. You got Bear With Me with Robert Schmitz post game there from the, the Ravens debacle. You've got Baron Balanced with, with Jeff and Lester. That's up there right now. You've got this podcast here. Bears banter uh, with me, Bill Zimmerman. And of course, you will still get Bears over beers. That's coming on Wednesday with EJ Snyder and, and Jeff. So make sure you check out all the stuff we've got. We've got a packed, packed lineup for you this week. So make sure you check it out. All right, moving on. Patrick Maher from VEASAN, Lions fan. Get his outside opinion on the Chicago Bears. That is next. Bears banter. Bill Zimmerman will be right back. All right, welcome back into the podcast. Very excited uh, for my next guest. I've known him quite a while. He is, unfortunately for him, although he could probably say the same thing, unfortunately for me, that I'm a Bears fan. He is a Detroit Lions fan. He is Patrick Maher. He's the he's a host on VEASAN. Uh, you can hear him sometimes, occasionally on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and he joins us now. The Rap Radio on Twitter with a W. Patrick, how are you? I, I was thinking about this while walking the dog. This will be like year four of you and I doing this. And the Lions and Bears, this will be the third time they play on Thanksgiving in four years. And I think we should start with an apology. Because <laughs> this year, we are presenting in the early window, 3-16-1 and one in total as far as record. And potentially, we could be presenting Tim Boyle and Andy Dalton. America, you're welcome. <laughs> and, and I think odds are we're seeing Dalton and, and Boyle there. I mean, obliques, those are never easy. And there's no point to rush Justin Fields back for a game against Detroit on, on national television. Just let him heal up. Let him, I think it's Arizona after that. So let him, let him play Arizona here. So, yeah, you're talking about two backup quarterbacks, two teams going the wrong direction, and a national stage on Thanksgiving. I, I, I feel – at least it's the early game, you know, where, you know, you kind of have that in the background, maybe go outside and throw the football around because, yeah, there's not going to be, you know, a lot of reasons, unless you're a diehard Lions or Bears fan, there's not a, least, a lot of reasons for the casual fan to watch this one. Well, by the way, because we've seen what Chase Daniel started one year, I think it was 19, 24, 20 Bears win. That was, that was, that was 18 because Trubisky was out because uh, Harrison Smith hit him in the Vikings game the week before. That's right. 23, 16 and 18 chase Daniel. Then last year, 24, no, excuse me, 19, 24, 20. Actually last year, the lions got decimated 41, 25 by Houston. And why we remember that fondly is because Quinn, Trisha, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia got jettisoned <laughs> after Thanksgiving. You do realize this is since 1934, the lions have been playing. The lions have been playing on Thanksgiving 
and they're 37, 42, and two. So just to be clear, they are third, they're under 500 and home games, short weeks, teams coming to them on a holiday. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Detroit Lions. This is, is this is rock bottom, Bill. I, I was thinking about this. Like, if I were to ask you, Dan Campbell, who's calling the plays now, Anthony Lynn has been demoted. If I were to ask you, if 31 teams opened up their head coaching head coaches, if all power five teams opened up their head coaching uh, possibilities, how many of them would hire Dan Campbell? I, I you know, if, if he, if all the power five possibilities were out there, I mean, are you talking about, so everyone just gets a new, new job or you have your, you have your, I'm just wondering anyone. who wants Dan Campbell because we wanted Dan Campbell. We hired Dan Campbell and to be fair, and you got to give the guy more than nine, 10 games. This has been an unmitigated disaster. Tim Boyle, who's filling in for Jared Goff, who we'll get to in a second. Do you realize how many passing yards the Lions had on Sunday against the Lions in the 13, against the Browns in a 13, 10 loss? I don't know where it was. I know I kept seeing it flash up on the bottom. He had like 77, yeah. 77 passing yards in 2021. And that's Dan Campbell calling the place. We've hit rock bottom. Though. Well, and here's, here's where I will say it seemed for a while and may, maybe not as much lately, but it did seem for a while that at least Campbell had them competing. Oh God. Like they, they look, and, and I'm saying no, no, nobody gets credit for effort here. But for a team like the Lions, you know, like the Texans are getting blown out just about every week. I understand they have won, actually won a couple of games because Tyrod Taylor can at least function in an NFL offense. But to me, I, I, was, I was impressed that the Lions were at least competing. But it seems that, you know, even at this point now, that's even fallen off for them. But, you know, it's, it's tough to keep the message going as the head coach when, when you can't win ball games. And I think that's what we're seeing in Chicago here because – as someone, as you know, who supported Matt Nagy a lot, and I'm definitely, you know, there's, it's, it's untenable. He, they cannot keep him anymore. It certainly feels like his message, which I feel was at least resonating for the first few years as kind of the head coach and not the offensive coordinator, that that seems to be fading as well. You, you, can't, you can't reach the players if you're not winning ballgames. When we were coming up, you had to get it right in three spots. You had to get an edge rusher, you had to get a quarterback, and you had to have a head coach. You have to at least now in 2021 get two right. You have to have the head coach and you have to have the quarterback. It appears to me with the Bears, you have the quarterback. We can get into fields moving forward. You just said something about the message with Nagy. What is his message? What is going stale and what has been his message? Well, I mean, look, he, he his famous message early on was, was be you. And that, that was his thing. <laughs> but like, look, he... You know, he had his guys playing hard. He had his guys to the point where they, they weren't quitting. And I think, you know, look, you know, they're playing the Ravens game. You, you can't lose to, to Tyler Huntley. You just cannot lose to Tyler Huntley. You, you can't, cannot let Tyler Huntley drive down the field when you took the lead and in essence had the game won. I don't care if Khalil Mack's out. I don't care if Eddie Jackson's out. I don't care if Eddie Robinson's out. And I don't care if Akeem Hicks is out, which let's be honest, those are four of their top seven or eight players. I don't care because Tyler Huntley was the other quarterback. It's, it's unacceptable at this point. They have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory two weeks in a row now. And it's just, it's, you know, the, the, the question to me at this point is, is Ryan Pace going to stay as a part of this organization? Cause there's no way Matt Nagy can. And you know, what's crazy about Huntley. So I work for a gambling network and the number when I woke up Sunday morning before the Ravens game in Chicago was six but we started to see that number plummet. And I'm only telling your, your audience this because that lets you know that Lamar Jackson, it looked like to the gamblers, like he was not going to be ready to go. So eventually by the time I got done with my shift, which was about an hour before game time, the number was the Ravens laying a point. Okay. So they went off as a point favorite. If it was Lamar Jackson, it would have been six and a half ish. Right. So immediately you think, okay, it's Huntley actually played pretty well in the preseason, but all the Ravens are going to do is run the football. So it doesn't matter anyway. I think he threw the ball like 33 times. He, he threw it a lot. He didn't throw it more than five yards down the field most of the time, but, but yeah, he threw it 33 I mean, times. But, but to, you understand the point. It's not like, I mean, they let him do some things. I, I would say if we're ranking just 
uh, disappointments this year. And first off, the Lions are a calamity. So we can put them over there. But if we're talking about disappointments, I was also thinking about you and I discussed what we thought the Bears were before the season started. I think we both agreed seven or eight wins. Fair? Yeah, I think I had them seven and ten. Yep. Okay, they're worse than that. That's the, Yes, they are. This is bad. It's yeah, bad. No, this is and bad. I, and it, it's, it's one of those things here. They, they obviously could win Thursday against Detroit. But, I mean, down the stretch here, you've got Arizona. You've got Green Bay. I know Seattle's struggling, but that's a, it's a Seattle game on the road. The Vikings twice. There's not a lot. You know, they got the Giants at home. Okay, they can potentially win that. There's not a lot of wins left uh, on, the, on the calendar unless Justin Fields gets healthy and, you know, becomes Russell Wilson overnight. If we get the second half against Pittsburgh, Justin Fields, the rest of the season, they're going to win some games that they, they shouldn't. But if Justin Fields continues to be an inconsistent rookie, which is what you would expect, then yeah, there, this is a team that's probably going to go like five and 12. And, you know, at that point, you know, Nagy's gone. And just the question is, is Ryan Pace gone? Because, you know, you just, basically the team has steadily gotten worse since 2018. Nagy came in, it was all magical, 12 and four. And I know they had back-to-back eight and eight seasons, but basically it's gotten steadily worse each season. And, and this is kind of the year where it's going to bottom out. Okay, so I wrote down a couple of things because we can bond over Jared Goff is my quarterback. And part of the deal to send Stafford to Los Angeles was they were to take on Jared Goff. The, Brad Holmes is the general manager of the Detroit Lions. When they took on Goff, they restructured his deal. Essentially, that means he's going to be on this team next year. When I tell you, and Bears fans can relate with Mitch Trubisky, and we can get into this. When I tell you Jared Goff, based on context, is the worst quarterback I've ever watched play to play. It's really not close. If you watch him in the rhythm of a game, if you watch Jared Goff in the rhythm of a game and just his instincts, his metal, and everything that goes with it, his long delivery, Jared Goff is a freaking dumpster fire. And because of that, that's why Brad Holmes, who said he doesn't believe Jared Goff is a bridge quarterback, a bridge quarterback, he thinks he's the future. Well, we passed on Justin Fields, who we'll get to. We passed on Mac Jones, who I think is a superstar. I genuinely think Mac Jones is going to be awesome. And we drafted the tackle in Penny Sewell because <laughs> our general manager and Dan Campbell felt like Jared Goff could be the future here. Jared Goff is not a starter in the NFL. Yeah, no, J- Jared Goff is not good. And now here's the thing. So Brad Holmes says that, right? But does Brad Holmes truly believe that? I mean, you, you, there's so much... As Bears fans, there was so much BS being spoken on a daily basis about Trubisky and and Foles and all this stuff they believed in and everything. And you knew it wasn't true. You know, Mitch Trubisky's, you know, Ryan Pace after the 2019 season, Mitch Trubisky's our quarterback. Well, that's because he's the only quarterback on the roster. Like, to me, I, I can't look at a new regime coming in and going, Jared Goff's our quarterback. To me, he was a bridge quarterback. Get an extra pick. And, you know, have a plan moving forward. I know the Lions are inept as a franchise. It's proven by their records for the last, you know, 20 years since Barry Sanders retired, basically. But you can't, I, I, as much as that is true for the Lions, I cannot believe that they brought in Jared Goff thinking he would be able to quarterback this team for the next seven or eight years. Well, you better start believing it, bro, because that's <laughs> at least, well, if they lose them after this year, it's a huge dead cap hit. So at least he's going to be a very expensive backup in 22 because they can get out of the contract after 22. Okay. I won't get into the weeds on this, but they have them for next year and going into this draft class, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Willis or I don't know, Corral or whomever. It's not the class that it was last year, which brings us to Justin Fields. I have a couple of things about him. I'm not as sold as others. I'm excited by him. You mentioned the second half, which was tremendous. I'm excited by Fields. Here's my issue with Fields. I think he's emo. I think he's weird. I think he's a loner. And I think it's going to end up adding up. When they show him on the sidelines, do Bears, you would know because you're entrenched in Bears social. Do Bears fans find him to be personality-wise odd, Fields? I think they think, you know, here's the thing. Right now, everything's new with Fields. So, you know, if Fields is their quarterback for five, seven, eight years and Fields never becomes anything and he's Jay Cutler light or whatever and it doesn't ever really 
put it together, then I think he goes and becomes the weird emo loner. Right now, I think Justin Fields is just got, has a cool vibe. That's the way Bears fans look at it. He's just cool. He doesn't get he doesn't get rattled. He's just got this chill vibe all the time. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's not an emo loner. But if it doesn't work, then he becomes the emo loner. But right now, and look, here, here's what I will say. And maybe the Bears roster is just excited to have a quarterback like Justin Fields that they believe could potentially win them games. The Bears roster seems to love him. And you didn't get that feeling with Jay Cutler. You, you get that feeling with Justin Fields. So I don't know if that's the case, but I do understand where you're coming from. As If you're looking from the outside in and you see Fields' demeanor, I do get that. But, you know, right now, like I said, he's getting benefit of the doubt from the fans and he's got the cool chill vibe going. And he did have that demeanor when he was drafted. Remember draft night, he was very solemn, not a ton of smiles. The family around him was excited, but he was just kind of like workmanlike. The vibe, it's interesting. Would you would you classify Trubisky's tenure? Wasn't the team very much behind Trubisky? Didn't people like Mitch? They they definitely liked Mitch the person. And look, I like Mitch the person. He's a great guy. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. You know, Mitch kind of had that the guy next door kind of vibe. He, he definitely didn't seem to have that, you know, put the team on his shoulders and carry him to a win vibe. Um, but you know, but yeah, he was, I, I would not say they did not dislike him. I, I don't know what wide receivers might've been saying, you know, quietly to themselves when they were hanging out, you know, alone playing PlayStation. I don't know if they were sitting there going, how did Mitch miss me here? How did Mitch miss me there? But, you know, in terms of, you know, what they, the, what they put out publicly and in terms of, you know, how they felt about him. Yeah. They, they liked Mitch. And so. there, and the vibe it seems to be with fields a little bit more of an edge is what you're telling me. seems like there's a little bit more something to him. There's some depth. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'd point to that, you know, when he got, he threw the touchdown pass against the Raiders. I don't know if you remember this, he got drilled afterwards yeah. sitting there on his knees and he just kind of does the, the bring it on with his hands thing. He's, he's got that, you know, nothing's going to phase me vibe. And right now that's bears fans are excited about that. Cause you combine that with the elite plays he's making. And a lot, these plays are not like, oh, that's why they drafted him. Like, you know, I think that happened with Trubisky a lot. And I fell victim to that as well, especially early on. You know, Trubisky would, you know, he had mobility. He'd make a play with his legs. He'd, he'd get out of something and, and, and make a nice throw. You know, he made that incredible touchdown on Monday Night Football against yep, Washington that Taylor it. Gabriel. That was like a 50-yard bomb. It was an incredible play. So, so Mitch had, had, had moments. But the elite plays that Fields makes – you know, rolling against his body, throwing against his body, you know, uh, the elite runs he's making, getting out of jams and, and, and getting touchdowns. Those aren't things that, you know, we saw from Trubisky and those aren't things that many quarterbacks in the league can do. So they're seeing the highs from, from fields, the athleticism, the elite arm talent where he can just throw a dime 40, 50 yards down the field. That's what has bears fans excited. The issue is the, wild inconsistencies which you would expect from a rookie and the problem with bears fans right now is they don't know if justin fields is wildly inconsistent or if the issue is he's wildly inconsistent because the offensive coaches are not putting him in a position to succeed and because bears fans don't like matt Nagy, almost all of them are going that direction and saying Nagy isn't doing what he needs to do to help fields and while you could certainly say it's, there's certain things in the game plan that 100% you sit there and go, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? But we also don't know what's happening for the five days, you know, behind closed doors at Hallis Hall and how much Nagy might be helping or not helping fields in that regard. Did Bears fans believe when Lazor Laser was calling plays that it was, it was it more rhythmic? Was it, were, were they happier with the play calling? And I, and frankly, I don't even know, is he, st is Nagy calling plays now again? I mean, they don't really talk about it, but it's, it's assumed that laser is calling plays uh, based on some of the positives of the offense. I would think laser is calling plays because Matt Nagy is a bad play caller. Bad There's, play caller. I yes, mean, he is, is, you can, you can like Anything else you want about Matt Nagy, there is no argument to Matt Nagy is even an average play caller. He is a bad play bad. caller. And, and here's the, the thing about Bill Lazor, and this is what I've said this on this podcast multiple times. Bill Lazor is not necessarily a good play caller. 
Bill Lazor didn't have a job when the Bears hired him at the beginning of last season. He was sitting home because he's not a, an elite offensive coordinator. He had some success with the Bengals, but he, he's not elite. He was sitting home. He's a replacement level play caller. But Matt Nagy was so bad, and Bill Lazor at least could call a competent game that it was, it was night and day. And that was kind of the point where I was basically all out on Nagy was, you know, even though I would support Nagy, the CEO, although at this point now things are unraveling and you can't, but for a while I would support Nagy, the CEO. But the problem is Nagy was brought in to bring his offense with him and the offense doesn't work. So you can't separate the two. If Matt Nagy ever gets another head coaching job where he's more in a CEO role and it's not, you know, maybe he's involved in the offense, but they have, you know, he has it set up where there is a legitimate offensive coaching, you know, system in there that's, you know, he's just kind of monitoring, but it's not his offense. I think he could have a lot of success potentially in the right situation, but the bears are in a situation where you can't separate the two and you just have to let them go. Okay. So I'm trying to get a feel for bears fans and where they are right now on fields. So I'm going to ask you this way. If Bears fans were given the proposition, you're going to have Mac Jones right now, would they trade Fields for Jones? I don't think so. So you're so every, you guys are all in on Fields. I, I would see, say the Bears fan base, I would say 90% of the Bears fan base is expecting Justin Fields to be the quarterback for at least 10 years. Okay. So uh, just to follow up, the offense that is constructed right now schematically for Fields do you believe it has to be completely revamped or do you like the direction it's headed as far as how they're running an offense around his skills? Well, they, they've improved that. That's better, but it needs to be revamped. This is not. Who do you see? Give me an example of an offense you see. Is it it's the Chargers? Is it Hurts with the run? It's basically the Oklahoma offense that Sirianni's running. Well, who do you see that you feel would fit Fields' strengths? Well, I don't think Justin Fields is a you know, Lamar Jackson run the ball. 15 no, he's not. Times. No, he's you know, not. Justin Fields is a, you know, uh, a, you know, a situational runner. Sure. You'll have some design runs for him, but let him take advantage when he sees that his legs are going to get him the first down or whatever, let him make the plays with his legs, but you should not develop a Greg Roman Lamar Jackson offense. That's not to say that Greg Roman, if they consider him, couldn't, potentially make an offense that works for fields because he made an offense that worked for Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. That was a pretty darn good offense yeah, considering right. Tyrod Taylor as, as a quarterback, but you know, day ball, you know, the, the, the Josh Allen type offense is definitely one that could potentially work for fields. Cause fields um, can throw the ball. He, he's got a good deep ball. So like he's got idea, a great deep ball. Yeah. So the idea of stretching the field is what I'd like to see him. Not just these, you know, I, I wouldn't utilize the run as much. I, I think he's a great athlete that can get away, but I think he wants to throw first. He definitely wants to throw first. And you're seeing that a lot. If you watch him, you know, there was times early on where the protection was so bad that he was just running because once he got out of it, he didn't have time to basically look down the field. But you're seeing that now where he's running and he does take before he crosses that, that, that line of scrimmage, he takes a beat just to see if he has, you know, any opportunities. He's definitely a, a go deep and check, you know, if, if his initial receiver isn't open, his next look is deep. It is not checked down. Right. And that's something the bears have not had in a long time. I mean, Cutler had that a little bit, but you know, you didn't have that with any of the guys since then. And as certainly you didn't have it with Trubisky and, and I've, I've promised people on this podcast, I'm not turning it into a bash Mitch podcast anymore, but that's not who Trubisky was. Trubisky's deep ball. It wasn't there. Trubisky was supposed to be kind of the game manager, make some plays with his legs. And then every once in a while, make a big play fields. It has that different mentality where he wants to look deep. So, I mean, overall with fields, you're going to have probably a slightly lower completion percentage, but you'll have a good yards and attempt overall. He's going to be a bit of a different quarterback than what a lot of what we're seeing because he loves he loves to go deep and he he has he trusts his arm that he's going to be able to deliver well I think it's important you said mentality because that is an innate in a quarterback so not to crush Jared Goff but he checks down and then he checks down the check down so like but that's his personality that's who he is innately 
He's a check. So like you have something in a kid that's 21 years old and feels that wants to go deep, feels he believes in himself to stretch the field and where we are right now. And we're seeing a lot more running this year, to be fair in the league, but where we are right now, as far as it's stretched the field, you have to be able to go th- throw the ball deep. You have to be able to take the top off a of defense. And I think fields can do that ultimately. Yeah. And, and that's the, is he can do that but we're still not seeing a lot of the things you can do to help um, help a young quarterback. Fields is doing really well out of play action. The Bears still don't run as much play action as most teams. They used to basically run it not at all. At least Laser is utilizing it more than, more than Nagy did. We're not seeing a lot of design rollouts where we cut, cut the field in half and, 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 and simplify the, some plays for them. They're, we're not seeing a lot of that. I mean, a lot of people, you know, made a big deal. You know, Andy Dalton comes in and throws a touchdown on the second pass of the game. It was a screen pass to Darnell Mooney. They weren't, they don't utilize screens with, with fields at all. It's, it's, it's a little odd. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but that's, I think, why Bears fans are so frustrated with the coaching staff is because you just aren't getting consistency and not sitting there going, this makes sense. Like, I, I'm, I understand why they, why they did that. Like Sean Desai, for example, on the, on the defensive side of the ball, he was bringing blitzes at, at Huntley. And, you know, I heard some people say, I don't like the idea of, of sending, of, of blitzing him because let, let Huntley sit back. I'm like, Huntley's going to miss blitzes. He's, he's not used to this. So Desai's trying to confuse him and they got after Huntley. Huntley was sacked a bunch of times. Like there was, they had some success there. The Bears defensive problem is right now is their secondary is atrocious. And Kendall Vildor is potentially the worst starting quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. And I, and I put that on Twitter and, 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 you know, a bunch of people, you know, had, had fun with it. Like he, his, and, and I don't know what his, his stats were specifically for the Ravens game, but going into the Ravens game, his passer rating against is over 150. Nah, over 150. Go check out a pro football reference. I think it's 150.3 going into the Ravens game. And he was getting picked on in the Ravens game as well. Like he, it's just a free completion to quarterbacks over there. They don't have to challenge Jalen Johnson. Eddie Jackson's hurt right now, so he can't help over there at all. Kendall Vildor is just fair game over there for quarterbacks, and they have no way to stop him because they don't have any depth. And they're getting old on defense too, and in, in particular, I look. You know what? I just realized you were courteous enough to ask me on your podcast, and. Because I'm a Lions fan, I have turned to interviewing you about a three and seven Bears <laughs> That's team. All right. That really, but that really gives you an idea. I know, and again, this is something we like to say we've been rebuilding since 1957. But if you really think we have one connection, the Bears and Lions is a franchise. We have the Eric Kramer connection. And Eric Kramer <laughs> is the one to win a playoff game against Dallas. We all know the story. And then remember, Kramer then signed the deal with your Bears. But like, and, and Eric Kramer to this day literally has the greatest passing season in Chicago Bears. Oh, history. yeah. But here's as we head to Thanksgiving and we can think about what we're thankful for with our football teams. It'll take about 10 seconds, but for to be three and seven, Oh, nine and one, the league could not be more mired in parody. Like to be three and seven, that's fireable to be Oh, nine, one. It's like you, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to lose those type of games in this league right now going into this past Sunday before Thanksgiving, 22 of 32 teams, we're somewhere between six and three and three and six. You see what I'm saying? Like it is so mired in parody. It's, it's ugly right now. You can, you can flip a program in a year in the NFL and Chicago's going the wrong way. And Detroit's been going the wrong way for 60 years. Yeah. And that, and that's why I think, you know, the bears need to make a change. And this is such a, assuming they are making a change. And, and I do think at least at this point, there's, there is no, you can't, justify any reason to have Matt Nagy back. You can't. Ryan Pace is different. We can have that conversation if you want. But Matt Nagy, you cannot make the justification. So if you're bringing in a new head coach or a new head coach GM, I don't even care what the combo is. It's so critical that they get this one right. Because if they if they blow this one as well, then you know you have an opportunity here with Justin Fields and you're not going to utilize him and take advantage of the, of the talents and the skills that he has. If they get this right, they have the potential. If Fields is the guy at quarterback, and you know a lot of Bears fans do it, and a lot of national analysts think he's the guy as well still. If he is the guy and you get the head coach right, well, then suddenly 
you have the framework to be a competitive team for a decade plus. Because, you know, if you have the right head coach and right quarterback, the other pieces will come together. They have a chance to do that. But to be honest, the Bears have never proven as a franchise that they will get it right. So, like, the the perfect example to me was was Lovey Smith. When he got fired, he got fired off a 10-6 and season. That's right. Uh, because he missed the playoffs because he was, you know, and I understand there was a new GM in place and everything. And he wanted his own guy, but Lovey Smith went 10 and six and missed the playoffs. And I, I, I understood kind of time for change because things were slowly trending in the wrong direction for that team. But I just kind of sat there and said, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. And Mark Tressman was the worst coach the bears have had in a very long time you know, had some success the first year, but the, that he had so little respect in the locker room by year two. They, the, entire- like the stories coming out of his tenure, sorry to interrupt you, were it's laughable how disrespected he was in the locker room. Yeah, had no respect at all. So he can, you know, they can sit there, you know, some someone out there will say, oh, he's a pretty good offensive coordinator. And, you know, they did this and did that. It doesn't matter because he should have been an offensive coordinator, not a head coach. He had no respect in the locker room. And Lovey Smith did. Lovey Smith had the locker. And I'm not saying be careful what you wish for with Matt Nagy because they do need to make that change. But the problem is you just never trust the Bears to make the right move because they rarely have. There's no past precedent to say this organization is going to make the right move because they don't have football people in place up at the top. George McCaskey has admitted that he doesn't really know anything about football. He's just a fan. Ted Phillips is an accountant. He's the team president. He's, he's, he doesn't know anything about football. So no one's there to hold Ryan Pace accountable. So, you know, they have so many issues up top that it just trickles down below. And George McCaskey, who made the decision to bring them back and put on certain things, this is, it has to be a playoff team. And this has to, you have to fix the quarterback situation. Those two things don't vibe. You can't draft Justin Fields and, and say, you have to make the playoffs. Two and two, you know, one-on-one doesn't equal two in that scenario. So George McCaskey screwed this up in January because he either needed to extend these two guys and say, all right, get the quarterback and let's commit to building around him or make the play, you know, or just, you know, start over at that point. But he didn't want to do that. So he's created this mess where they draft Justin Fields, where right now this team should be building and setting up the cap to open up next year and the year after. But Ryan Pace punted so much money in the 2022 to try and make a competitive roster in 2021 around Andy Dalton and a rookie quarterback. They made, they made an untenable situation, and now what we're seeing is it's falling apart because it never was going to work in the first place. The worst place an organization can be is a GM GMing for his job and a head coach head coaching for his job. What I mean by that is the roster construct. Remember, the year before Patricia and Quinn were let go by Detroit, they drafted Jeff Okuda, cornerback out of Ohio State. All they were doing was plugging a hole to say Okuda can save our jobs potentially because that's such a position of weakness. Okuda's a bust. I don't want to get into it. He's injured this year, but I'm going to one-up you. Careful what you ask for. Lovey Smith did go to a Super Bowl. How about the Detroit Lions, who their sweet prince is Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell (laughs) is unemployed, and we now wish we hadn't chased him away. As a matter of fact, as you were talking about your head coach, I was just thinking about this. I can't think in my lifetime or beyond a head coach for the Detroit Lions that was let go, that was hired by another team to coach their team. And now that I think about it, Wayne Fonts had the most success growing up. He didn't get another head coaching gig. Mariucci's been on NFL Network ever since, just talking in platitudes. Bobby Ross, no. Uh, Mary Bobby Ucci, Ross went to Army after the Lions. Bobby right? Ross went to Army. That's fair. So, But professionally... But um, I'm thinking Morning Wag. Morning Wag's a, a loss. Uh, nobody cares about Martin Morning Wag. <laughs> Jim Schwartz is still yet to get another gig. Caldwell's unemployed even after winning 10 games. That's not and, good. Now, and now Dan Campbell, when he was introduced as the Detroit Lions head coach, was so insecure, he brought up the fact that the Lions wanted Matt Campbell, but Matt Campbell didn't take the job, the Iowa State head coach. Iowa State head coach, yep. He didn't take the job. Because he didn't, because Chris Spielman was going to have ultimate say. So he didn't take the job because Spielman was in the way. Spielman, by the way, is a feel good. Hey, let's bring in somebody based on our history who cares about pad level as opposed to actually winning football games. 
It's a disaster. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's talk about the Lions for a second. Like, if if the the, the Ford family, whatever, they, they came to Patrick Barr and said, listen, we, we know you're passionate about the team. What do what are we doing wrong? Like, is, is the problem they're not? I mean, they gave Patricia a pretty long leash because and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because you and I talked after year one of Patricia and went, you know, basically, oh, you know, press conferences in the year one preseason going, what is this guy doing? Like there was, you know, there were questions there right away. Like, are they going to give Dan Campbell that long of a leash as well? Is he going to be there three, four years, no matter what? Because they gave him whatever, a five, six year contract. Yeah. Like, what is the Lions plan? Is it, I mean, you know, I just, I don't know what the Lions plan is. Maybe they have a plan and, and, and you know something, or if they don't, what should their plan be? Well, no, it's just to be clear, he got a six year deal. So he's there for, and they, they can't, the Patricia thing, Patricia was an unmitigated disaster. Patricia's Q rating in the locker room. Patricia was a bully. Uh, Patricia wasn't necessarily a good guy. The players couldn't stand him. He wasn't, he couldn't adjust in game. His defenses were consistently the worst defenses in football. They didn't know how to build a roster around. Like they've got slow linebackers. It's the slowest defense you're ever going to watch. You can see it on Thanksgiving and how slow they are. So Patricia's over here. They're now married to Campbell. With that, they've got Rod Wood as the president. Rod Wood was a Ford executive. Okay. Then they brought in, because blast from the past, a linebacker who's a legend, Chris Spielman, to kind of oversee vibes right he's the vibe overseer because now you know mrs ford who's running the team the daughter of is basically more hands-on but you've got a remember when overseer and spielman you've got rod wood the president who has a background in automobiles you've got dan campbell who's talking about cannibalism at his opening presser and you've got an organization that's run by essentially the Fords who are just really nice people. They're really good, loyal people that don't really have a grasp on how to structure a professional sports organization. And to answer your question, I'm lost because now Campbell isn't going anywhere because he got the extra. Generally, you're going to get a four or five year deal. You got a six year deal. He got, his agent did a good job. He got that extra year. They can afford to pay him off. And they're not going to move on after this year, but we've got an organization with the worst roster in football and a head coach that's learning on the job. It's a recipe for disaster. So to answer your question, I mean, they would have to go so far back and blow everything up. And like, they're just too, you see what they're doing. They're adding pieces. They added the Spielman piece because that would feel it's, it's a feel good piece. They added Rod Wood because he did a good job executively with Ford. But it's kind of just pieces that don't fit together. Dan Campbell's the head coach. Brad Holmes is the general manager. Brad Holmes is in Atlanta. You know, like, do you see what I'm saying? Brad Holmes was, he was part of player personnel for the Rams. He never even lived in Los Angeles. I'm not even, maybe he's moved up to Michigan now. But Campbell and Brad Holmes, they weren't simpatico. They were forced together. Does that feel like the right type That's of That's never a good idea. That's never, never a good idea. So I presented you with the with the S show that it is because there's really nothing I can say. Like, we're not on the precipice of moving on from Campbell. You see my point? So, right. like, we now have to somehow build from here. And the identity is going to be his. He's going to drink monster energy. He's going to try to run the football. He's going to. And that's where we are. So. And, uh, and you know, based on what you're saying there, there's similarities that Detroit fans and Chicago fans don't want to hear between the two organizations. You've got an ownership group that nice people that don't really understand football in both situations. You've got a team president in place. That's, you know, a car guy and an accountant yep. don't doesn't really understand football. So you've got a, you've got a group of people trying to put fit football people in place and they don't know how to hire the right football people. Yep. And when that's where you're starting from, you just have to, you know, roll, roll the dice and hope you get a pair of sixes and, and, you know, just get, you know, pull it out of your ass, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's where both of them are. Yeah. And ironically, 
you know, Minnesota, who's had consistent success. Now, they haven't gotten over the hump, but Rick Spielman is the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. That's Chris Spielman's brother. But at least there's a linear structure. The Will family kind of stays out of it. They look, they let Rick Spielman do what he needs to do. He's been, he's been loyal to the head coach. Maybe they move on after this year. We shall see. Although they did just be coming off this weekend, Green Bay. But your point is it has to be streamlined. It can't be. It's funny how you just said the similarities with Chicago and Detroit. Like, you're right. There are very much, like, it's all disjointed. And you can't really point to a fluid organization. You know what I mean? Like there's a right. lot of questions and yeah. that's like it in the Wayne Fonts era, which you'll remember fondly Scott Mitchell and Brett Perryman and sure. Herman Moore with the fade routes and, you know, Lomas Brown, like that was our kind of our, like, it was exciting. It was fun. Chuck Schmidt was the general manager, a complete no name. He's never gotten a job since. And it was Wayne Fonts reporting to William Clay senior. So but at least there was this linear structure. Now we got Spielman over here. We got Rod Wood over here. We've got Matt Camp. We've got Brad Holmes. You see, it's all just spread out and there's no direction. There's this, it's just, we're all, it's like, it's, we're floating in the air and it's an 9 and one team. And people want to tell me that they've been competitive and they try hard. You know how embarrassing it is to say they tried hard. Of course you're <laughs> going to try. I mean, they're playing for jobs. They're playing for cash. It's it's just a disaster. Yeah, and and that's why there, there there's a rumor that has been circulating for a while, and I don't know how much validity it is, but I've had a couple of the the Bears beat guys on this podcast, and they didn't shoot it down. So it, it's I don't know if it ever emanated from Hallis Hall, but there's there's an idea that Ryan Pace could get promoted to president of football operations. They'd like basically make a new title for him and promote him. Ted Phillips, the current president, you know, potentially might be retiring in a couple of years, which means you could, you know, in essence, you know, bring in someone for him to mentor, kind of have a president of business ops and a president of football ops. I don't hate the idea because I, I do think Ryan Pace has some understanding of what he's doing. He has certain things that he's completely failed at, but he, he you know, he, he's, he has an eye for talent you know, they love, he, he totally modernized the Hallis Hall stuff. And now the Bears look like they're going to be building a, a stadium in, in Arlington Heights that he could be a part of there. Like he, he isn't an idiot. He just has certain things he doesn't do well. I'm almost not against that idea. Just so there's at least a football guy making football decisions. So, all right, if he's going to have to, you know, be more hands-off with roster control and everything, there's going to be a general manager and, and then the head coach, obviously from there at least then Ryan Pace can hold the GM accountable. They don't have anyone that can hold Ryan Pace accountable. Right. So, like, I don't hate the idea. He hasn't earned that promotion, but I don't hate the idea because right now the structure is so poor that I think they're just going to keep spinning their wheels in the mud and they've got an opportunity, if Fields is the guy, to turn themselves around into a good organization and right now you don't have any faith that they can do it. Well, what we do know is outside of Belichick and he's an anomaly. What doesn't work is I'm in Vegas. Now Gruden's personnel decisions are all time bad. Gruden's a good offensive play caller. He tends to lose a locker room over a season. You've seen the Raiders fall apart his years. And now he's gone, but you've seen him in the second half fall apart. Gruden is not as liked as most people like to believe, but he's a very good play caller, antiquated play calling, but good play caller. He it's not, he wasn't the general manager who he handpicked was not calling the plays person was not calling shots personnel. It was Gruden. We know now the head coach also picking the groceries is not the way to go. You have to have a football nerd that's grinding, that's picking the personnel, and you have to have somebody coaching. And if you want to put pace above them organizationally, I have no problem with that. But there has to be some clear, clear structure. And there has to be people have to know what their roles are. And pace can't just jump in there and meddle. He has to let the GM do his job. Yep, absolutely. So I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. But uh, there is going to be some kind of change. There just has to be. All right, before I let you go, let's put them these two teams aside. Let's talk LA Rams for a second, because I know you're a big Stafford guy. We talked at the beginning of the season, both thought Stafford had a good chance at MVP. That's not going to happen at this point. You know, he's had some, you know, great games. That offense was humming, not so much lately. You know, I'm assuming you've paid attention to the Rams being you're out in the, on the, you know, you're out West and you're a Stafford guy. 
Where are you with Stafford and McVay right now? What kills Stafford, Bill, is he hasn't played well in prime time. So it's for the Chris Russo's and the people that literally don't really watch football. Unless he plays the Bears, then he looks really good. Unless he plays the Bears in prime time. Uh, (laughs) And I love Chris, and I joke with Chris all the time about this, but like Chris will watch Stafford in prime time and bring up that he hasn't won a playoff game. Not mentioning that the organization hasn't won a playoff. Anyway, the the Stafford-Rams scenario, like – the like they're all in we understand what they're doing and obviously the von miller deal which is von miller is not the same player that we expect him to be that's not von miller i will say i do think the defense has been a little underwhelming and i think they miss staley but i think if i were to like so for example if i were to ask you right now give me the team gun to head that you'd regardless of conference that you believe in it's hard to come up with a team right now oh, so yeah. we so the rams definitely our Super Bowl contenders, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Patriots, and then it starts to get a little, the Bucks, and then it starts to get a little weird, right? So the only thing I can tell you is I'm underwhelmed over the past few weeks with the Rams, but the Rams are right there. And Sean McVay is not good. Sean McVay is otherworldly at calling an offense. And, 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 and Stafford's been really freaking good. All right. Well, you heard it there. Patrick. Well, I mean, heard. would you disagree that there's the Rams, the Bucks? Let's do this quickly. The Rams, the Bucks. There's the there's a half dozen teams you could There's say a half dozen teams. And so yeah. you could I can Packers, pick, I can pick whatever, them apart. You know. The Packers are great. Um, I can pick them apart. The Packers defense is 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 actually quite surprising this year. But what do we have to be thankful for? We're we're doing this for a Thanksgiving broadcast. What are the three things moving into next year? about this Bears roster that you're excited about? All right. Well, obviously the first one's Justin Fields. All right. So that's, that, that's number that's one. That's one. Above and beyond. The, the issue here is you're talking about what are you excited about? You can't be excited about like Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack's great, and he's going to be back next year, and I'm, you know, I'm sure he'll be excellent. But you can't be excited about what is going to be a 31-year-old edge player. That, that doesn't count anymore. If you're talking about what you're excited about, you got to be looking forward. And that's the biggest problem with the Bears is those rookie contracts, those building blocks, you don't have that much. So I'll say, here's the three things I will say. I am excited for Justin Fields, number one. Number two, I'm excited for Roquan Smith. Now, unfortunately, Roquan Smith plays one of the most replaceable positions on a defense, but he is elite at it and he's only getting better. He is all over the field. He can cover the run and the pass. He continues to improve. He's going to be an elite linebacker for the next 10 years. That's number two. And number three is that at this point, it is inevitable that there is going to be some amount of change at Hallis Hall. That needs to happen. So those are the three things I'm thankful for as a Bears fan. You do that to me. I'm doing that to you. You have to come up with three things you're thankful for about the Detroit Lions and your situation is tougher than mine. So okay, let's this it. is I'm glad you asked. Thank you, Bill, because this is very easy. When it comes oh, it's easy. To the, All right. When it comes to the Detroit, all kidding aside, when it comes to the Detroit Lions, <laughs> and your dogs agree, when it comes to the Detroit Lions, I'm very, very optimistic and thankful about Cade Cunningham being drafted by the Pistons. <laughs> I have nothing. I have, I mean, I guess you want to say the run game. I guess you want to say a, a, a better than average offensive line. The defense is the worst I've ever seen. It's the slowest. They're horrible. Okuda's out. There's nothing on this day. I'm not excited about the coaching staff. Anthony Lynn, by the way, is going to be gone after this year. He and he and Goff don't get along, and he and Campbell don't get along. So again, I'm excited about Kate Cunningham. Well, that uh, that sums it up perfectly right there. So. Uh, that was a lot more than 20 minutes, Patrick. I know. <laughs> Thanks well, a lot. This is what happens when we get together. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick Maher from VEASAN. If you want to give him a follow at the rap radio on Twitter, but he won't respond to you because he doesn't know what he's doing with that. But, uh, <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> give him a follow anyway. Thanks, Patrick. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, buddy. There he is, Patrick Maher. I know Bears fans may not be that familiar with him, but trust me, this is a guy who knows sports, breathes sports, knows the league really well. So, you know, it's a good conversation with Patrick and kind of reverse roles. He kind of ended up interviewing me for a lot of it. But uh, you can tell a guy that is frustrated about his Detroit Lions organization. And that's the thing. Like, look, at least, you know, kind of touch on that at the end there with with the uh, 
three things to be thankful for. At least the Bears have something. The Lions really don't have anything. I mean, DeAndre Swift, I mean, okay. They've got no receivers. They're the TJ Hawkinson. The quarterback situation's bad. They, I mean, and now you've committed to Dan Campbell. It's certainly, you know, look, he hasn't won a game. You can't sit there and say he's done a good job. This Lions organization has got major problems, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. The Bears at least have a light at the end of the tunnel. Now, they may screw it up. I'm not saying the Chicago Bears are, are destined for greatness, but at least there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, they, they have an opportunity to get out of the Matt Nagy situation. They've got Justin Fields in place. You've got a couple nice young pieces on, on defense still, even though, you know, overall the Max and the Hickses are, are getting older. So there's hope for the Bears. We'll see if they can, you know, breathe life into that hope and, and bring it to fruition. But this Lions organization is bad. And look, I don't think it matters, Justin Fields or Andy Dalton, who's starting. I'm hoping it's going to be Andy Dalton because there's no reason to rush Justin Fields back. Let him get healthy. Let him let his ribs heal. Get him back. I, I want him to play, but there's no reason to have him play on Thanksgiving. There's just not. There's not. So I, I think Andy Dalton is going to win this game. I, I think the Bears will be smart enough to let Andy play. I think he's going to win this game. I think the Lions are bad enough. It doesn't matter that the game's home. It's going to be ugly. It's going to stink. I think the Lions are going to lose to Chicago. Let's say Bears 16, Lions 10. I think it's just going to be a boring, pitiful game with some field goals and a couple random touchdowns. And Twitter, national Twitter, football Twitter, NFL Twitter, will be making fun of these two inept franchises. But I do think the Bears win, but at this point, I just really don't think it matters because the fact that they couldn't win either the Pittsburgh, honestly, the San Francisco game, the Pittsburgh game, or this Baltimore game, they had three opportunities here. These were winnable games. They had two of them at home. The Pittsburgh game, they had that game won. They blew all three games. Terrible second half with San Francisco. Terrible finishes with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Had this team come together, they had an opportunity to win all three of those games, and they'd be sitting here at six and four. This team could have been six and four if they executed and were coached just a little bit better. Even if you say they won two out of three, sitting there at five and five, completely different outlook. But at this point now, three and seven. There's just not much to look for. And at four and seven, with games against Arizona and Green Bay and these, these games coming up, this Bears team, I know I said seven and ten at the beginning of the year. I think that is a best case scenario at this point. I think they're probably looking at six, eleven, or five and twelve. And like I said, the only good thing about that is that there's going to be some level of change at the organization. Maybe not as much as Bears fans want. Maybe. I don't know. It's still a little too early to tell. There have been no decisions permanently made at Hallis Hall yet. So if someone tells you that, that is BS. That is still being, that is still under review. But uh, yeah, I'll say Bears 16, Lions 10. We will be back next week with another Bears banter. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Adios.